We now have Bob Lawson, union organizer, uh, union leader, organizer, friend of Paul Booth's, which is part of why we're here today. Tomorrow is the memorial here in Chicago, remembering Paul Booth. Welcome back to the show, Bob Lawson. Thanks. It's always great to be back here at the, live from the heartland. Not in the heartland. Yes, right. <laughs> we are in the heartland region. Okay. <laughs> we do that. We get expansive about it. Um, the breadbasket of the country and the toolbox of the world. Before we uh, do just a little bit about Paul Booth, um, let's get your rundown of the effects <laughs> the effects of Trump on labor. Um, you know, there's been a commercial airing lately with the guys... Uh, asking each other, are unions important? Have you seen that commercial? No, I haven't. Oh, you you love gotta it. check it out. Oh. It's on all, you gotta watch a lot of sports yeah, on TV. Yeah, you gotta watch regular TV. <laughs> anyway, it, two it's... Guys talk. Two They're guys talk. They're talking about unions. Yeah. You know, are they important? Yes, they are. And then two union guys kind of walk in and the one guy was a little skeptical when the waitress asked, can we get you anything else? He says, yeah, we're all right, but get those two guys a drink, get a beer. Two. More important than ever is the bottom line on are unions important. So that commercial is playing. Uh, it's interesting to me when we have less than 10% of the working workforce organized that that's on TV. Talk to us about current times and what you've spent your life doing. Um, well, I, I think one of the things that's uh, happening is uh, uh, attack on unions is really intensifying under Trump um, as the attempt to increase inequality. Um, they've, they've figured out uh, the corporate titans and the right wing that have been on a 30-year attempt to destroy labor um, sees this as their uh, opportunity that there's a Supreme Court case that's going to be uh, determined pretty soon. It's called the Janus case. Um, what it will likely do is uh, prohibit unions from charging fees for people who don't want to be members but that get the services of unions. Right. Um, and the reason that this case is coming is because right now public sector unions are the largest, most effective part of the labor movement since they've been able to destroy uh, private sector unions. And so this is an attempt, um, along with the various state attempts, like since your Governor Rauner has been in office, the main goal of why there's no budget in the state is because he wants to destroy AFSCME and the Chicago Teachers Union That's right. uh, because of the voice they give to everyday people. So I think that attack is continuing. There's also now um, it just got leaked or exposed that the Cokes and their, their group have a whole new strategy and set of talking points and stuff that they've sent to their network of organizations around the country about how to undermine unions and go, like in the state of Washington and Oregon, they're going door to door to union members and telling them you can still get the benefits of your union and you don't have to pay anything, just sign this card. Um, so they're doing that. So I think the attempt, uh, both on the one hand, has been to uh, decrease the power of unions institutionally, and on the other hand, it's made more and more people realize that we need some kind of a voice mm -hmm. uh, to stand up to uh, this power. Yeah. One voice we've been hearing a lot of is teachers, and from a lot of red states. Um, why suddenly are teachers stepping up? I think a, a couple things. Um, one is that this whole attack on public education 
Um, and it's not just from the Trump people, it's also from Democrats for Education Reform, which is really to privatize uh, public education, which has been one of the best avenues in this country to create a democratic society. And, and I think, the middle class. And the middle class. And I think teachers are at the forefront of that, both personally, where they as professionals end up with student debt and then don't make enough money to survive. And but secondly, is they look, they don't have they don't have textbooks, you know, they don't have desks in their classrooms. And at the same time these legislatures are cutting taxes on corporations and on the wealthy and then we don't have any money for public education and the teachers feel it because people don't go into teaching to get rich they go in because they care about kids they have a passion and when that, this happens that as much of the anger about this is the disrespect for public education and the inability to do your job as a caring professional as it is about pay and benefits for teachers. And I think all of us are feeling that in a, a lot of ways as the whole public sector is being shrunk and uh, wealth inequality is increasing at a tremendous pace. Bob, uh, <clears throat> there's a lot of credit uh, to the Chicago Teachers Union for the, the way they've, uh, you know, performed. And I saw an interview, I'm not sure who it was with, but it was someone talking about a discussion with Karen Lewis and how important she has been to this uh, outbreak of teacher resistance around the country. Any comments on that? Uh, yeah, I think it was probably Diane Ravage. That's that, what it is. I uh, want to be sure. Who was one of the, um, she had been in the, uh, I think, the first Bush administration and was a big fan of charter schools and right. privatization. And she realized that she had gotten hoodwinked and now she's been a real leader on democratizing and keeping uh, public education. And as she pointed out, that the Chicago Teachers Union, particularly under Karen Lewis, has said that, look, we're teachers, we're a union, we have some power. But our power is not just for our own pay and benefits. It's also for class sizes. It's also for books. It's also for why are kids of color in crumbling schools? Why are the, all the AP classes in one set of schools and not in other sets of schools? And it sort of set a standard where teachers are bargaining not just for their own pay and benefits, but for the common good. And I think that that, and you know, there's the symbolism, the red t-shirts that the yeah. CTU wore, and now it's red for Ed everywhere. everywhere. Right. And it's connecting the inner city, you know, the mainly Chicago Teachers Union, which has, you know, the, most of the kids in Chicago are kids of color, um, with the red states, because everybody who's in education cares about public education and about the kids. It's really an excellent opportunity. Uh, that yes. whole discussion nationwide. Right. Um, to, to the notion of Karen Lewis and our mayoral election, uh, four years ago she was running a very uh, lively campaign and had to step down for medical issues and that's when Chewy stepped up. Uh, the mayor currently has 10 challengers and counting. Uh, clearly we're going to have to winnow that down for anything meaningful to occur, but uh, how did labor and Karen Lewis um, affect or influence the opposition to Rahm Emanuel in your eyes? Well, <clears throat> it seems to me from not being uh, integrally involved, but that the fact that the teachers union highlighted the fact that Rahm, even as a, as a Democrat, was undermining communities of color. 
and that the teachers union actually reached out to parents and communities was able to highlight the fact that this, regardless of him being a Democrat, that there's differences right. and that you can be a, a corporate person and still be a Democrat. And I think the fact that the teachers union pulled off the strike in conjunction with parents when with support of students That's right. and have support all over highlighted the contradiction. Before we start talking about Paul Booth, um, there are some people who say that one reason why uh, union leadership, the union organizing has um, gone down is that the move over to the public sector changed that dynamic. For working people to organize, to go after management, to get better wages, better benefits is one thing. But in this case, management is taxpayers. Uh, you could say it's the governor, but the governor can't do anything without the taxpayers paying the bill. And it just changed the relationship, if you will. How do you respond to people who feel that public sector unions aren't the same thing as the traditional trade unions that we revere from getting us out of the Depression and, and really improving the middle class changes in this country? Uh, that's a, a lengthier conversation than we have time for, but I, I, I think the, the thing about public sector unions and about unions in general is they're a voice for working people. And the voice can be in a lot of different areas that if you see like just what you were talking about or even what Karen Lewis and AFSME is talking about here is the public sector unions are advocating for a graduated income tax. They're, they're advocating for fair taxation and better public services. And often that I think that um, the shift, and it wasn't really a shift to public sector, it was the fact that yeah. because of the way the law had been interpreted on the private sector side, it got harder and harder and harder for people in the private sector to organize. It wasn't like there was less organizing, it was less victories. And then with globalization and the change in manufacturing, that side shrank that actually the public sector unions grew right. in the coming out of the civil rights movement and out of the, the anti-war movement because the private sector unions were sh paving the way for the middle class and at the time there was like both patronage for public sector unions and low pay and shoddy services. So a lot of the same impulses for social I guess socially progressive unionism was what drove the uh, the public sector organizing. So I don't think it's a contradiction. I do think that public sector unions need to be clear that they're not just about their own members because their own members deliver services and care about those services as all workers care about the quality of their work. And so I don't think it's a contradiction. I think it's a, a fact of power. Excellent question. Glad for that clarification. So you're in town today because of a memorial for Paul Booth. Um, who was he? Why are, why are people coming together to remember his work? Yeah, it, it falls right into actually this transition. Right. Clever. Um, <laughs> that uh, that uh, Paul Booth was um, first originally a leader in Students for a Democratic Society in the very first anti-war movement against the war in Vietnam. Um, he was very young. Forward Which we have two members of sitting at this table, right. Michael. Yeah, no, and Paul. And we're, Paul was a part of the Oakland West Oakland Community Project in the summer of '65, and I remember being saddened that this guy I was working with had gone off back to Chicago to be the national secretary. 
of SDS. Until you joined him. Right. <laughs> so, but, so he had been active in SDS. Then as he moved to Chicago, he was active in the fight against the Crosstown Expressway. And that older people will remember it was a, a way of uniting sort of the, the northwest side communities with the west side communities in a, a community organization. And Paul Winsky. Yeah, yeah. They, they actually won that fight, as I recall, yep. and that I knew of Paul then. Um, and I, I finally started working with Paul around the question of public sector unionizing. Um, Paul had gone to work with AFSCME, um, American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees, um, when they were organizing state employees under then Governor Walker, yeah. um, who uh, created an executive order saying that state employees could have the right to collective bargaining. Um, and so this was a major breakthrough, and Paul was one of the uh, leaders in AFSCME on that organizing campaign. And I met him a little later. Um, I'd met his wife first, Heather Booth, who's had a major impact on the country and on Chicago as a as an organizer and as a, a leader, but um, <clears throat> she and I were working together on an organization called the Citizen Labor Energy Coalition, which was an attempt to link the, the labor movement with some of the uh, community organizations that had grown out of the new left across the country, and we were fighting against deregulation of energy at the time, that <clears throat> when Jane Byrne got elected, uh, mayor in Chicago, she said and lied that she was going to give public employees the right to uh, collective bargaining. And so I moved over to AFSCME to help do that because that seemed like really exciting. And I, I worked with Paul Booth there. We eventually, not under Jane Byrne, when Harold Washington got elected and AFSCME was a major player in that, um, we were able to organize the city employees the county employees and around the suburbs, and that Paul was a major leader both in winning the contract but envisioning that this was a role for public sector unions. He eventually went on uh, to move to D.C. and become a leader of AFSCME organizing nationally. And then, I mean, I think the thing that some of the things that were unique about Paul in, in uh, um, my relationship with him. One is he was forward thinking. Like we were one of the very first places that used computers in organizing. Um, and two is that he created space within, he understood that you needed institutions to have power and he created space in institutions for people like me who don't do that well in institutions. We need someone to sort of cover for us in the institutions and he continually was making space for a lot of young organizers. That's such an important point, Bob. It, how, did, how did he do that? Partly I don't know. I mean, he was a very, he's a very smart guy right. and he's a very personable guy. Right. And he knew how to build relationships with people. So and he just always made sure there was room at the table. He made sure and that he, he would recognize what I <clears throat> would call talent and, and passion. 
among people that not necessarily would would fit into the the model of looking well a union you know god that's like you know given the stereotype of unions and create space and he continued to do that many of the the new organizations that are going on now jobs with justice the restaurant opportunity center yeah. things like that paul was a major player in dc at creating space in the labor movement to fund that and the, the memorial for Paul is tomorrow at the SEIU Hall? Yeah, at, at uh, Healthcare, 22, Illinois, Indiana. 2232 North, uh, South Halston. Just off Okay, see you all there tomorrow. Yeah. Bob, we want to thank you for getting up so early. I know you just flew in from the great west coast, <laughs> and you're now in the great city of Chicago, and we're glad to have you here for the summer. Great, thank on, you. On right the on. fresh coast. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Bob Lawson, <laughs> to have you again. It's a treat. And now... Yeah. Low down, Brian.